What's up, everyone? Uh, welcome back. It's Thursday, December 17th, 2020. Um, hope you all are having a great uh, holiday season. Um, it's always great to be back. I have had back-to-back, all-day-long virtual management meetings for you know my day job. So uh, was it had to keep kind of my analysis light this week. But I was able, for those of you that aren't Roic members, um, and for those of you who are and haven't logged into a couplecents.com recently, uh, been initiating some positions in two uh, stocks, very well-known, very large companies. Um, yeah, and we can talk about them if they come up organically. But again, try not to give away the uh, the support and uh, and the thank thankfulness that I have for everyone uh, who supports supports the content at uh, a couple cents.com. But um, hope you all have been great. Uh, you know, it's been it's been quite the week. I, and I, I titled this week's stream, you know, is it too late to buy Bitcoin? And I I, I title the weeks on the fly based on what's in the news. And obviously there's some um, new folks here. Uh, we all always talk about equities. That is my, that is my profession. Uh, and, but also like, you know, what, what are we here for? Why are we making the ROIC community? Why are we making the sense community? It's because again, we're looking for ROI and I don't really care where the ROI is great uh, or what, where the ROI is. I just, as long as it's ethical and accessible, uh, I will take advantage of it and times will change and we'll stay intellectually curious and nimble and flexible with a always a at least six month time horizon on it and at least and definitely right and we're only in it for multi decades, right? So, you know, the theses might be six months, 24 months and some theses are just like Amazon where, you know, Amazon eats the world. I'm not going to sell Amazon. Uh, you know, my thesis on Bitcoin has been very, very multi-decade, right? Uh, for those of you that haven't watched it, you know, my, the featured image or the featured video on um, on my YouTube channel, which you're on now, hopefully, uh, it has been the Bitcoin one. And I did it really quickly. You know, I've done so much reading on it and, you know, I'm not going to be your crypto analyst, obviously. I'm going to be your just general ROI corporate finance fo- uh, person. And, uh, but again, like I see the writing on the wall on a fun, on the fund, on a fundamental basis. I really like the, the, um, the risk reward, uh, on it. Right. Uh, and I liked it back at 300 bucks. Didn't like it enough at 300 bucks to be quite honest. Um, I loved it at, you know, 10,000. Right. So like, and so if you're asking, is it too late? Right. So, for those of you that have been living under a rock for the past couple of days, uh, Bitcoin hit 23,000. It's rallied from 6,000 earlier this year. We were talking about it back then. I was much, much smaller um, in terms of, uh, you know, just like people online. And um, yeah, I, I appreciate you all being here, first of all. So just so let's get some news out of the way. Um, U.S. equities were stronger today. It's up like the S&P 500 was up about 0.5%. Um, there were no stimulus, uh, breakthroughs, but there were no setbacks either. Uh, the U S 10 year treasury yield was up about two basis points to 0.93% yield on the, uh, on the U S 10 year treasury. Um, let's see, pull back on the, uh, British pound, uh, Brexit negotiations remain tense with the EU. Uh, we've, we, we actually got pretty weak U S data. 
Initial jobless claims rose to 885,000 last week. So that's initial jobless claims. That means initial pe- or people who are coming, um, newly coming to file for jobless claims. Uh, I saw a figure out there that we have about 20 million Americans receiving uh, unemployment benefits of some kind. So safe to say that 10% of the U.S. population is feeling this crisis. So, um, yeah, so... You know, the weak U.S. data, we have, uh, I'll pop to my shared screen, you know, in case you guys haven't Googled it yet. Um, But let's pop over here, show all. U.S. new cases uh, are near record highs. We all knew that. We've been tracking this for a while. Um, Yeah, lockdowns haven't been as tough during this uh, third, I, I would guess you'd say third wave of COVID cases. Um, and deaths are now at all-time highs, right? So what gives? Why is the market still strong? Well, you know, there, there are many different cases, right? Interest rates are zero. We walked through, um, oh man, hold on. Hold on, give me a second. All right, cool. Um, yeah, if you guys wouldn't mind, don't spam the chat. Um, thank you. Uh, but anyway, yeah, so... Where was I? I don't remember. So basically, we uh, we have zero, like near zero interest rates. We walked through that last week. We, um, you know, two, I would say the, the market is looking past all these cases, right? We have, we finally have a, uh, a vaccine that's as of today, looks like it's getting, uh, looks like it's getting passed and, uh, and going to, you know, be rolled out in the U.S. So I think that was the uh, Moderna one. So, you know, I, again, I have my issues with Moderna as a stock, but I'm very grateful that we actually have um, we actually have a working vaccine, actually multiple working vaccines. Uh, we have a vaccine stock on the big board. Uh, again, kind of one of those Bitcoin style, really great risk reward profile types of things. Um, and again, guys, thank you so much for for being here. First of all, for subscribing to the channel. Um, if you're new here, uh, you know, joining us for the first time, you know, don't forget to sign up for our free daily email newsletter called morning sense link in the description. Uh, you know, we help decipher the craziness of the news and translate it into actionable investing insights for you and guidance. If you want more and want to see like my favorite stocks, my latest trades, like all that stuff and, you know, managing kind of this portfolio for us in that group. Um, then don't forget to uh, sign up for ROIC. It's ROI Connect. It's at a couple cents.com. It's how folks support the content, but also I'm trying to provide as much value as I can. Um, so yeah, so pulling up here, if you guys know, always uh, as of starting last week, um, you know, uh, there's a link below. It's a really cool, uh, really cool uh, tool that I, I've yet to kind of really figure out, but um, it's called Meeting Pulse, and you can kind of submit your Q and A uh, and upvote the ones that you want um, to happen. But I also uh, prioritize voicemail questions, so you know there are people that call. I can't get through everything anymore, like like we used to, but I get through as much as I can. Um, as usual, you know we're sponsored by Fundrise, which is a really great way to invest in real estate, um, especially in today's market, and especially since it's so hard to manage your own real estate. Um, so if you're, if you want exposure to real estate, private equity, but don't want to manage it yourself, like Fundrise is an amazing, um, is an amazing way to do it. So if, if you, 
uh, are interested in that and want to go to more of a dividend kind of yielding or real estate play, then uh, definitely go consider them. Anyway, so uh, yeah, it's been a crazy week. So, you know, and I've gone out on a limb and for, for you, for you all, right? Like I have an ex, I have a really good career. Um, you know, I don't say that in a braggadocious way. I, I say that so that you know that like, I don't really need to push you all on anything ever. Right. Like I'm actually pulling late nights just to get this like website, you know, like get the website done, uh, get all the content out. And, uh, because first of all, I appreciate you all. Like I, the reason why I kept making content was because, um, you know, I think I can help people because this is something It's funny. Cause this is, this is all a very interesting experiment by me because by us, actually, by all of you, you guys are the ones that make, make this possible and, and really, really like support the content. It's stuff that I do for all my wall street friends on an anecdotal basis. Like even before this, right? Everyone would always ask me, what are you investing in? Blah, 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 blah. Like why, why, why? It's kind of like all these conversations and they're always in closed rooms. But the beauty of COVID, or I hate saying that, right? So, but the beauty of like, I guess, being quarantined and everyone being online and people supporting content is like, it's very, very obvious to me that I can help folks. And and the heroic big board is the way I'm investing personally, right? Uh, I have my own strategy. Uh, I wrote in the latest premium uh, newsletter, Making Sense, I wrote basically a, um, a white paper of my investing philosophy. And folks can join it and follow along for years. And, and again, my whole thing with this thing, and I think it's really, um, really evolved in a really cool way. And I love all of you on Roic, and I love all of you that just kind of follow the content casually. Uh, you know, I'm actually blown away with how educated and intelligent like everyone is here and even in the chat and, and everything. Um, and people just need a little bit of guidance from someone who has learned how to do this at a very high level. Um, and has thought about investing philosophies for a long time, especially on a personal level, right? Because the way you would invest in a fund, invest, invest in a stodgy kind of value investing fund is very different from kind of this investing philosophy that I have, which is a multi-decade long um, thought process of how would I invest my 401k or my retirement account for multiple decades, especially um, in an age of innovation. Um, but with the with the reins and the uh the discipline of value investing right so that's all mashed up you can go read that like white paper i wrote um if you're a roic member i think you know someone suggested in the chat um or in the activity feed in roic just to flip to public so people know what we're all about um again throughout all this like i was doing the calculations you guys can do it i mean i don't like to i'm not going to be hammering home how good we're performing. I don't want to do that. Um, I mean, you know, sometimes I will just to kind of grow the community. As you guys know, it's a lot of work, a lot of costs to just like kind of keep us up and we're not at scale yet. Um, but so we got to grow somehow. Right. But generally, like, I mean, I was doing the math, right? Let me actually let me pull it up. I think we're up like 42% since we even started tracking in mid August. Now I say that, but I'm going to say, ignore that. Ignore it, just ignore it, because even if we're up 50% or 30% or whatever, because we were up 31% last week, right? 42%, whatever, whatever. If you all have like 50 grand or 100 grand in your retirement account or 10 grand um, or, or 100, like we all start somewhere. I started at 100 bucks sometime too. 
50% isn't it, right? What is it? It is you, like we're all here in three decades together, hopefully. And again, this is the thesis here is, can we actually make a community big enough and strong enough and stable enough and um, first of all, healthy enough and, and supportive to each other enough that we can all, um, and to basically support accessibly priced equity research and equity guidance based on a growth oriented, but value disciplined um, long-term investing philosophy with, you know, someone who's been at a hedge funds experience with portfolio management, risk management, right? That's taking money off the table as it goes up, um, you know, dollar cost averaging, like all these like best, get best practices or my best practices. Right. Um, and, uh, but also be really disciplined in the rigor and the intellectual rigor of value investing. So we avoid the bubble pops. I, I, I keep saying this, if you had invested in like back when the internet was early and everybody like everybody was talking about how the, how the internet was going to change the world and take over the world. Were they wrong? No, they were absolutely right. But did they invest wrong? A lot, a lot of people did, right? The dot-com bubble. If you had invested at the peak of the dot-com bubble and um, it popped, it would take you 16 years to get back to all-time highs. Now, that is why we have uh, value investing discipline. And I started, you know, being a Buffett disciple but also begging my parents to buy me a pocket PC, right? So if you mesh the two, you get that philosophy that I posted about. Um, anyway, welcome back. Love you all. Thank you so much for being here. I had, I've had a sprint of management meetings, crazy. And, you know, I took like a one hour, just like cool off session. And now I'm here again. So appreciate it. So let's, you know, dive into the content. Um, I don't really have a lesson for you this, this time, like I did last time. Um, but Let's kind of dive into um, some of the Q and A. Uh, so the thoughts on Facebook. Look, I like I said, I've I've spent my last two days top to bottom. We started meetings at seven thirty in the morning, just ended. Right. Um, I know there's news about Facebook. I will read about it. I think what's more in the news is Google. We actually it was interesting. So Google is a capital compounder left alone without regulation. We had it on the Roke big board and we took it off and we took it off relatively early because of the regulatory concerns that I had. Um, seems like that was a relatively good move. Now, Facebook is something that, you know, I think is in the psyche of regulators. There's a, there's a, um, I'm pulling this up. There is a, there are like lawsuits out against both of them. I think right now what's dominating is the harshness against Google. I will be reading about Facebook over the next few days or weeks um, about Facebook. I think the interesting thing about Facebook, though, is unlike Google, I think Facebook is um, relatively um, insulated and actually quite under monetized. If you actually look into it, WhatsApp is still kind of under monetized and it's just like impossible to break up. But even if you could break it up, you own three really great assets that don't like, I think it strikes me as I still don't intellectually understand why if you cut the, the lines of communication between Facebook and Instagram, 
why that necessarily cuts the value of Facebook by like half, right? I don't think it does. I think on the margin, you lose a lot of the targeted ads and I have to do some reading. Um, ben Thompson writes a lot of great stuff in Stratechery. There are people who specialize in just like big tech. So I'll have to go, I'll go have to read their, um, their kind of summary. So I don't have a full answer for you yet. I think that's the reason why it's trading at such a cheap multiple. It's trading at like 14 times 40 EBITDA for such a great asset. So if you believe that Facebook deserves to be worth 25 to, 20 to 25 times 40 EBITDA, well, like the margin of safety has been there, which is why I actually think that I'm still comfortable and why I don't panic sell. First of all, don't panic sell. It's never, it's almost always never the the right answer and don't, don't panic buy. Right. So, um, there's that. So I'll be getting back to you on that. Um, oh, by the way, I'm going to, uh, be doing because next week is Christmas, uh, and the following week is new year's Eve. Uh, this is the first Christmas we're spending together as a community. Merry Christmas. Um, I'll be doing a show instead of, um, instead of next Thursday, which is Christmas Eve, I'll be doing one next Tuesday which is the 22nd, um, I'll have to decide what time. Maybe I'll do it a bit earlier and take a day off uh, for my Euro the European friends here. I know like Holly over here always stays up early morning. Um, yeah, thank you so much for being here, whatever time it is for you. Um, I'm picking a $75 winner right now. So if you're new here, we always do giveaways. Um, uh, this time around, we're gonna spread the love. Uh, and we're doing four $25 giveaways. Uh, let's see, is this, yeah, four $25 giveaways. If you're watching it live or if you're watching it anytime over the next week until um, December 22nd, all you gotta do is enter through the raffle, cro raffle copter link in the description below. And I'll pick four uh, $25 giveaways next, next Tuesday when I do that kind of special pre-Christmas show. Um, but last week, we're gonna have a $75 winner. Last week, we had a record amount of entrants. We have to up these prizes. And so that's why I'm gonna do four winners this time. We had 1,000 entrants. We broke the record, we smashed the record. Usually we only have like 250 uh, entrants. But the winner is Hanif. Hanif from Canada, congratulations. You won 75 bucks. I'll be uh, PayPaling you later. Uh, I'll email you probably tomorrow. So uh, keep your eye on that. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, let's see. So we answered thoughts on Facebook. Uh, let's okay. Th thoughts on Bitcoin storage, uh, hot wallets, Coinbase, cold wallets. So for those of you that are new on, on Bitcoin again, and I can, I can talk about, um, oh yeah, this week's, uh, keyword is going to be, um, hash rate. Hash rate, two words. Uh, hash rate, you, uh, that, that's how you enter in for keyword uh, for this next week's raffle, so, or giveaway. So um, answering the question about Bitcoin storage, hot wallets, Coinbase, cold wallets. I told you, you save a lot of money if you do uh, Coinbase Pro. I would say don't do consumer Coinbase, just go to pro.coinbase.com, um, not sponsored by them. Um, I don't, I, you know, there are also other very great options like Gemini. Uh, uh, I haven't actually had any experience on Kraken, but a lot of people like Kraken. 
Um, and uh, I think Binance has uh, a really good, really good product. So you might try Binance. Uh, I've heard Binance's fees if you buy BNB coin, which is their coin, and then and then buy Bitcoin, it's a lot cheaper. So I would I'd go explore that the best for you. I think those names are very reputable though. So if you if you go like in the states at least, right? Coinbase Pro, uh, Coinbase Pro. What do I say? Gemini and Binance. Those are great ones. And then, you know, once you buy it, you can trans, you can keep it in your brokerage account, or you can uh, flip it to a hot wallet. Which a hot wallet is just something that is connected to the internet, right? Um, it might be on your phone, and you transfer your Bitcoin there, so you can kind of use it pretty, pretty, um, pretty quickly. And so a hot wallet, and they call it hot because it's connected to the internet. So conceptually, it could get hacked, and people can steal your keys. So you don't want to keep like a lot on there only if you're kind of using Bitcoin to buy stuff. So it's kind of like the cash you keep in your wallet versus the cash you keep in the bank. Um, and cold wallets are really good if you want to own that Bitcoin. You want to like be your own sovereign bank, right? If, if, if you want to keep that cash yourself. Um, to me, it's really stressful. So I do a combination of both. Um, so I have a ledger, uh, a ledger wallet. I have a, um, a Trezor wallet too, because I'm tech nerd. I like the different uh, comparing the differences and, uh, yeah. And I have some in my Coinbase account. I have some in, uh, you know, a retirement account through GBTC. I, I just kind of mix it up. I don't have any in hot wallets though. Uh, I, I still have yet to see, um, real adoption from myself on, in terms of as it, uh, Bitcoin as a medium of exchange, uh, not many places, you know, take Bitcoin. So to me, you know, this is something that you're holding for 10 years. So I will guarantee you two things. Bitcoin's going to be much more valuable than it is today. And Bitcoin's going to crash really hard. And so if you don't actually believe in the asset, then just ignore it. We're equity research analysts here. I'm going to, I'm going to give you a lot of content I and mean, more content than Bitcoin. It's just in the public psyche right now. Uh, I'm going to give you a ton of content on, on, on stocks, right? Stocks. Um, I don't like credit when I started as a leveraged finance credit investment banking analyst. Um, so anyway, oh yeah. Oh, also PayPal and cash app. Um, they allow you to buy Bitcoin too. So that's probably not a bad, bad way to do it. Again, there's to me, it's like, do you trust a third party with storing your Bitcoin versus do you want to keep it yourself? Uh, trusting a third party, you want it to be that third party to be very, very, um, very reputable with lots of ins with lots of insurance. Like for example, Grayscale, they're they're like a native uh, crypto fund, so they keep all their stuff in in cold wallets, and they're super secure. So you know, I think there's a problem with the premiums there, but they've always had a premium um, to net asset value or NAV, I would call it. Um, so there's a lot there. So uh, you know, I think. Sum up, you know, I don't think you can go wrong if you just keep it on a, a Coinbase, something really reputable, keep it in Coinbase. Um, I don't think you can go wrong with kind of doing a mix of both. Um, I would, I would, unless you're buying Bitcoin, buying things with Bitcoin, I wouldn't necessarily keep it on a hot wallet. Um, yeah, I mean, I would just keep as much as you'd keep in your wallet. Like right? someone can go mug you and steal your cash, but hopefully when they do that, you don't go broke. Um, cool. Awesome. Mark is done. All right, let's pop over to a voicemail question. 
Hey, so calling in about MicroStrategy, stocks took a little bit of a hit this last week when they announced. This is from Monday, by the way. $15 million in debt raising to buy Bitcoin. Um, I think that was due to just people thinking that that was a super risky play and being uncertain about the future. But um, I want to get your thoughts on what could happen to the stock price. So I forget the exact amount, but what is it, like 25% or it's it's a high percentage of MicroStrategy's balance sheet being in Bitcoin now. Um, So what does the scenario look like where – you know, you see Bitcoin rally from 20000 to 40000 and that 25% of their balance sheet being in Bitcoin, um, you know, increases double, and, you know, they see a giant rally in their assets. What would that look like as far as the stock price? You know, it wouldn't really affect earnings at all because they're not selling the Bitcoin. It would just be a straight-up massive increase in um you know, their assets, and that may be a jump in assets that we've never seen before in the course of a year or two years if Bitcoin does what a lot of people think it'll do. So, yeah, what are your thoughts on um, a Bitcoin run, potentially seeing a huge increase in MicroStrat's app? All right. Thanks for the question. Appreciate it. Um, I actually haven't looked into MicroStrategies much. Um, I think it's publicity stunt by them. Um, look, I think they believe in Bitcoin. I think as a company, they want to own Bitcoin. I think if you're going to own Bitcoin, I don't think you play around with MSTR, ticker MSTR. Uh, what Conceptually, what happens when a company owns cash on the balance sheet is, here, here's a good, okay, here's generally how things are valued, right? You, if the value of a company itself is the, uh, Discount, it's like the cumulative discounted cash flows that that company will ever make going forward, discounted back to present value. So if it's a, think of it like a bond. If a company is going to spit off $10 per year per for the rest for eternity, and then you discount all that back to net present value, that's the value of the firm. It's called, um, it's called enterprise value or firm value, right? And then how do you get to a stock price or how do you get to a value for shareholders? So that's the value of the firm, but shareholders are behind debt holders, right? So you subtract debt, the amount of debt there is from there, right? From the firm's value on the business because the debt holders need to get paid back, right? Um, like let's say you sold that company today for enterprise value. First of all, you have to pay off your debt and then and then shareholders get paid back, right? So you got enterprise value minus debt plus cash equals equity value. So, okay, enterprise value minus debt plus cash equals equity value. Now, what happens when they turn a quarter of their cash into, uh, and they have no debt, let's just say, I, I'm not going to look into MSDR, um, into Bitcoin? Well, now it's, the value of MicroStrategy's business, whatever they do, they do uh, software to analyze internal and external data, um, minus the debt they have, plus cash, plus the Bitcoin they own, right? So if Bitcoin goes up, yeah, like the value of MSTR or of MSTR stock or equity should go up um, by the amount that Bitcoin is going up. Um, not on a percentage basis, but on a dollar basis. Uh, now, look, 
there's so much, so many more complicating factors with buying a micro strategy. You have to like the business, how, how much Bitcoin do they have? What is Bitcoin going to do? Are they going to market to market or like, how are they going to account that on their books? Look, if you want to own the asset class, own the asset class. Don't go chase like some esoteric way to uh, find exposure to the asset class. Because I guarantee you all the people talking about MicroStrategy, or at least 99% of them, weren't shareholders before. So if you weren't share a shareholder of MicroStrategy before, why are you a shareholder now? In fact, look, here's a good example. If you bought a company that owned, that only, all they did was raise money and buy, buy Bitcoin. Um, and, but also makes a, some internal and external data software, then like that's all like that's really inefficient because they have to pay all their staff to do this software thing, but all you're buying it for is Bitcoin. Like it doesn't make any sense. So why don't you just go to an actual fund that stores it for you, custodians it, insures it for you, all that stuff, which is like a grayscale for 2% management fees. I know that's high as it pertains to other types of things. But again, this is a, a, a new vehicle, a new asset class, a nascent asset class. Um, and again, I've been in this for years, but I mean, it's still nascent. Um, so I would just say we are utterly trying, we are focused investors. We are focused investors. Um, and buying a workaround to get to something for no reason isn't focused to me. Yeah. And so, um, Anyway, cool. Yeah, so. Yeah, so, okay. Rob is asking, because 401k does not allow you to buy Bitcoin, that's why people are buying MSTR. So what I would do is in your 401k, I would rather just buy GBTC. And you can do that through private. Like, let me show you. And I'm not, I'm, I'm not pushing anything here. Um, grayscale. I mean, there are probably other ones. It seems like there's a... Uh, a QBTC in, in, on the Canadian markets. Yeah. QBTC is some Bitcoin fund in Canada. I've never heard of it until someone mentioned it. Um, but like, yeah, you can buy grayscale Bitcoin trust in an IRA or a retirement account. So it's eligible for tax advantage accounts. And if your IRA doesn't support it, then go to an IRA that does It's a free market, right? I don't understand. You're not stuck in something. Um, cool. All right, cool. What's up? Let's 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 go to the let's go to the uh, voicemails left today, though. Hey, Justin. This is David from Austin. Hope you're doing well. Thanks for your guidance. I had uh, two quick questions. One is, I saw that you had taken a position in AT and T, and I was curious to know your kind of your justification, your thesis on AT and T. I've been watching AT&T all year, and their stock has been a complete dud. Um, it just kind of lingers around between 27 and 30, and it just never goes any higher. It just gets stuck, and it, that's where it's been all year. Um, so it, it just seems like a really um, quiet stock, but I assume they have a dividend that they pay. Maybe that's the reason, but else, again, else, or maybe it's 5G, or I, I don't know what your thoughts are, but I was curious to know why AT&T. And number two is... Um, I'm trying to think if you talked about IPOB at all. They're the, um, the SPAC merger that's merging with Open Door, uh, O-P-E-N. I think it's a ticker that's going to be happening tomorrow or, or Monday. I, um, 
I bought their stock yesterday, and it went up like 14%. I actually sold it today for a quick victory, but I'm wondering if I should buy it back. So they're going to be competing against, you know, Zillow. I know you like Zillow. And they'll be competing against some other real um, real estate technology companies out there. But it seems like it might be worth looking at. Thanks for helping, man. Have a good day. Awesome. Yeah, thanks for the questions. Uh, so the first one was about AT&T. Um, without spoiling it for ROIC members, I think the risk-reward profile is really good. And you get paid... Um, you get paid a 10 to 11% dividend while waiting. So even if it doesn't move right from here, um, I'm just pulling up the exact numbers as of today. So like 29.60 per share. Uh, yeah, they're trading at a $380 billion uh, valuation or firm value. And that is like 6.8 times forward EBITDA. That is a 12% dividend yield. So if you bought a bunch of AT&T stock today and they kept their dividend the same and you sat there and the, and, and the enterprise value stayed the same or the stock price stayed the same, you'd be getting a 12% return year over year just for waiting, just for believing in them. Now, why are they so depressed? It's because people are leaving their traditional, uh, their traditional television business, uh, you know, and they've been they've been leaving for a couple of years now. They also made a poor acquisition of Directv, right? So people are going to leave Directv. I think they're thinking about selling it. People are going. To, people are leaving traditional television and cutting the cord for things like Netflix and Disney Plus and Hulu. They are also um, they have some headwinds on business wireline services. Um, I believe that they'll they'll be one of the big 5G providers with all the other ones like Verizon and T-Mobile. Um, but I did I did some back of the envelope math and I'll write it up. Uh, but you know I think of this as something that okay the downside to me is the stock tanks goes down if 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 let's say you write off all of their I did the math here and I'll probably write up the full thing for Roic members at a couplesense.com. But when I was doing the math earlier in the week, if you write off their legacy businesses and just write them to zero, and then you cut their Warner media business, which is like their media business, uh, by half, you know, that represents, I mean, such a big diversified company that represents like a 15% downside. Okay. Right. Okay. So fine. 29 bucks, 30 bucks. Um, you know, goes down to something like 25, 26 bucks, right? Uh, but it's all about HBO Max. It's all about HBO Max. Um, I want for, the, I'm going to give you guys all a clue, right? If you're will, if you want to know, it's a zombie value company. I agree. But the market wants growth. And you saw what happened to Disney stock, ticker DIS when the market starts realizing holy crap disney plus is gaining so much traction the ceo of disney says that they can get 260 million subscribers by you know in the next whatever three to five years uh and the stock rallies like crazy because Everyone wants, like, everyone knows it's going to be really valuable to be, like, a top three or four streamer because, or streaming media company. Uh, and Disney, it's, it, 
the way they did Disney Plus is masterful, right? I've been rewatching in my spare, like I don't have any spare time, but like I want to finish rewatching all the Marvel movies and the Star Wars movies and all that kind of stuff. Disney Plus, and especially if you have a family, they're, they're taking over. And they, they already have, what, 90, 80, 90 million subscribers, and it's so new. Think about Netflix. Netflix trades at a... Um, Netflix trades at a $250 billion enterprise value. And Disney, and just, all, they, all they do is streaming, streaming video, right? They are the best at it. I'll grant them that. Um, but again, they're not, they're not perfect, right? I, I flip between Hulu, Netflix, HBO Max, um, Disney Plus. Like I have them all. Um, but just think about it. Disney is trading for, you know, a, give me a sec. This thing takes some time to load. $370 billion enterprise value. Netflix trades at a $240, $250 billion enterprise value. If Disney can replicate, if Disney's Plus can be as good or better than Netflix and as big of a business as Netflix, which I actually think it can, you know, then you would assume that just that division of Disney should be worth um, $240 billion. None to say that Disney actually owns way more intellectual property than, than Netflix, and Disney also owns theme parks and all this other stuff, right? So... Think about AT&T, right? Like there's, there's a potential growth company that can, they can two actually, it's a 5G, but I'm not the biggest 5G bull. Um, I think it just keeps people, it keeps all of them relevant. But think about the streaming services and the upside that I can provide. I'm not saying that this thing is like, you know, you know, when I picked Peloton, right? It was like 55 bucks. I'm like, this thing could be over a hundred. Um, I'm not necessarily saying AT&T can be like a double or triple. Um, but we have other positions on the Roke big board for that, right? This is all about risk management. This is all about thinking on the long term. This is all about taking the returns that the market gives you. If this pitcher pitches you a, a, a pitch that you think you can hit a single on, but you're like, I am, I guarantee you I can hit a single on this pitch. I'm not, no one can guarantee you anything, right? I'm just saying, like, if you're like, I'm, I think I am really, really certain that I can, I can hit a single, but this thing is, is like spinning in a way that I can't hit a home run, then, I mean, take that pitch, right? Swing at that pitch and get your single, get your runs run batted in, right? So um, anyway, that's that. Uh, let's see, let's, let's go to another voicemail question. Oh, wait, I have to address your second question. So uh, IPOB, I did a video on it. I like it. I think the Robinhood crowd has gotten a hold of it, which means it's out of it's out of valuation league for me. Um, you know their competitor. It's on the big board. We've already profited quite a bit off of their competitor. Um, I like certain pitches that, like you all saw what happened to Palantir, right? Palantir's a really big company, thinly traded, um, and the Robinhood crowd got a hold of it. And let's see what it goes up and down and up and down. Like I, I'm not playing the game that other people are playing, right? Um, it's right. Uh, bulls get bulls make money. Bears make money. Uh, sheep get slaughtered. We're not sheep here, right? This is a community that thinks intellectually. We all talk about things and bring up. Uh, we're our own investment committee, and we want to swing at the at the at the pitches that are given to us. That we're like, okay. 
I am very confident in this thing. Now, when you say IPOB, which is open door, I did a video on it. So go check, just go, like just search my YouTube channel on, on open door. Uh, yeah, like I think anything that Chamath get comes out with, like you get the Robinhood crowd and nothing against Robinhood, right? It's just like the Robinhood crowd comes out, they pump up the stock past evaluation. I'm just comfortable with. So here's that. Uh, David says he went all in on Zillow. Feels good. Feels good. You're out now and it continues to rip. Sad boys. Okay. Well, here, look. Since we're long-term investors here, this is the reason why I, I'm the, the whole point of Roic and me like slaving away at this website. And first of all, there's a feature um, in Roic, but also those that are um, on this like meeting pulse thing, they, there's a, a tab called ideas. Um, I'm always looking for ideas to make the website better. But the core right now, the core thing is you can follow along what I'm doing. Like price targets are kind of misleading, right? And it's again, it's like I can't update them faster than I can, than I can sell or buy. Um, especially if like, I think like the price is right today. Um, and also price, you might hold past the price target. You might have a price target be way kind of above the current price, but are your, your conviction levels low. So I don't like sending the wrong signals. Um, but at least you can follow what I'm trading and how I'm generally buying into a stock or selling out of a stock as it's going up or down. Um, to kind of mimic and, and see on the big board. So, but I would, I would just say like, definitely if you're on there, focus on, um, focus on the percentage holdings, right? Don't necessarily focus on trades, right? Because that's a lot of portfolio management. You might sell stock, even though you still like it, um, or sell some stock and everything. For those of you new to this channel, like from the very beginning, people don't quite understand. Well, I think we as human beings fail to understand a lot of things because we're, um, yeah, anyway, I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. But um, one of the things we misunderstand is opportunity cost. So when I say, when I miss on a stock, that doesn't mean I'm upset about it. Or if I, if I like a stock and I don't buy it, that doesn't mean that I don't, that's not a good decision for some people. But for, for us, we're trying to find the right risk reward opportunities to buy in for the long term that's replicable over a... Um, over a, like, I'm talking about, this is, we want to do this for multi-decades, right? Because, you know, multi-decades, three decades. By the time, that time, then finally you're going to use that money, right? Like, I'm telling you, 50%, we're up 42, 40 something percent on the Roke Big Board since August, outperforming like crazy. But I'm telling you, right, we're going to underperform some, some years too. If I, if I made 40 grand this year, or 400 grand, it's not like it doesn't move the needle because I'm not touching that money unless I'm like 60, right? Even if you're starting late, if you're starting in your 40s, uh, you still have 10 to 15 years and you have a lot of great opportunities because innovation is happening at a much shorter uh, feedback loop every additional year we go through. So again, you know, I, maybe I'm, I hope, hopefully that's clear, but um you know, I would say for, you know, the, uh, and it applies to all things like open door versus Zillow. Um, why am I buying T if it's not like a triple X or right? Because you're finding the best pitches and the market will give you sometimes like there are times when the market doesn't give you any pitch. And so you just have to be out, right? To be patient. Cool. Awesome. Thank you guys for being here. Appreciate it. Let's go to the next one. Um, 
This one's coming from Europe, I think. Hi, Justin. Coming from Belgium. Love your content. What would you do in this situation? I'm 22 years old, graduating college, and in 22 years, I will have the opportunity to buy the house of my dad on installments. It has to be renovated, but my holdings right now are, uh, I got five stocks in my portfolio, Volkswagen, Amazon, Microsoft, eBay, Invest, and Silvercrest. I also got some gold and silver and some crypto holdings. If the opportunity presents itself, would you sell your holdings to invest in the house? Um, the house is the most expensive house, uh, laid in the most expensive city in Belgium. So it would be a great opportunity and it's a A-plus location. I would like to hear your thoughts. Thank you. Bye. All right. So I don't know what the, thank you for the question. This is awesome, right? I don't know what the, the real estate market looks like in Belgium. I don't know what the mortgage situation looks like in Belgium. And um, like, let's just, let me just look. Belgium state, Belgium real estate, right? Uh, yeah, I, I can't, but anyway, you have to look at generally across the world. If you think about what real estate is, uh, at least in the US for the past, whatever, uh, 200 years, or I saw a report like 250 years. Uh, it's basically the overall increase in value of real estate has basically tracked inflation plus about a couple percent. Now, what makes real estate really valuable is one, it's because it's private and you don't have Mr. Market yapping at you all the time. Two, it's more stable, right? Uh, three, it's uncorrelated to corporate profits and much more sticky because regardless of consumer spending, people need a place to live, right? Like when you cut back all spending, the first thing that comes out is like, like pleasure spending and travel, then comes blah, 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 blah. And then you have consumer staples that are like, oh, I need to eat. And it's like groceries. And then you have, you, I mean, even stickier than that is people need a place to live. So that's what brings stability to real estate. And it's an inflation hedge inherently. Um, when it's not overpriced because there's only so much it's scarce, right? Not, you can't make more real estate in the world. Like, like the government can't just print more real estate, right? Um, now what makes it more attractive than just inflation plus a couple percent? Well, one, if you buy in a really up and coming location, so that means that you're betting that that location becomes more desirable in the future than it is now. Now, it sounds like you're buying in the, like, I don't want to make, right? And I think you should ask around more locally because Bitcoin, I'm sorry, I almost said Bitcoin. I'm looking at bees. Belgium real estate and New York City real estate, like, and Nashville real estate is going to be so different and to, to, compared to like Brazilian real estate, right? Real estate is inherently hyperlocal down to uh, the corner of the street you're on, right? So here's a good example. Real estate to me is like a really simple corporate finance. And I think that's the reason why you get a lot of like real estate born finance gurus. It's because they, they understand finance inherently on the, on the real estate level. But in order to really be a stock person or like a corporate person, not only do you have to know like all the stuff they know, but you have to know it in hyper complex terms plus nuances of unit economics and businesses. 
uh, versus real estate, like, right. It's rent minus rent minus mortgage costs minus upkeep, right? Rent. There's no such thing as like business model. It's like, Oh, I rent this thing to someone else or I had the ability to rent this thing to someone else. Now, um, versus a company, it's like, well, how do you make money? Like there's different ways to make money. Right. And, and what are the different cost structures? So, and different ways to lever it up. So I think that depends, right? If it's in a prime location, prime city where interest rates are low and everyone's buying real estate, my hunch would be that that thing is not going to appreciate in a way that a Microsoft will. Like, even though I don't think Microsoft is especially cheap, what Microsoft is doing is Microsoft is is, is getting corporate profits and reinvesting um, those profits at a, at a higher rate. They're going to be buying like uh, other companies. They're going to be building out. Um, they're going to be buying. Uh, they're going to be hiring uh, software developers to develop teams and integrate everything. And so that they can kill like Slack and then Slack now needs to go run to the Salesforce daddy to even survive. Right. And then they're going to make even more profits. Right. So even if it's fully baked price, Microsoft is reinvesting all that cash flow at high rates. And what I will say as a corporate CFO, look, it, if I'm a corporate CFO and I ever like for whatever the business and I, and I make the case to the board and I say, I want to use a million dollars to do this. First of all, they're going to ask me what the ROI is. Like, why would I spend this million dollars? Um, why would I spend this million dollars? Well, I, because I think it'll be profitable for the company. That million dollars spent will produce more than a million dollars of profit in the future. Now, corporates don't just invest their cash to get a 10% return. No, no, no. They, they buy a factory to make more Xboxes uh, to make a 3X, 4X, 5X return, 10X return, 20X return, right? So I know you can't deploy all your cash like that if you're a corporate or corporation, but you, that's what you generally try to do. So prime location, best city in the world, best city in your country, uh, zero low in interest rates. I would rather like, that's this is a hunch not knowing anything about that locality um i, I would say i would rather be in good stocks um on the other hand if you're buying in a local in an area of that city um where you know it's traditionally kind of run down but people are going in and and, and building it up and building you know there's actually it's it's really interesting so um there's there was a whole strategy for a while in the u.s where real estate investors would literally look up where Starbucks were um, opening up when they were being like planned. And then they'd go buy real estate around there because that was a sign of, of a, of a community kind of becoming a little bit more bougie and blah, 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 blah. Um, so unless you have like some local nuance like that, if let's say it's in Brussels um, and you know, it's like in the prime area, like I would just imagine that, your returns won't be as good. But again, like there are life events that that um, that you'll need to consider. Like, are you going to live there? If you're going to live there, and um, yeah, if you're going to live there and it's your personal property, like I, we all got to live somewhere, right? And and if you do, if if you're wasting money on rent, and you do the cost benefit analysis, and you'll save a lot of money and build some wealth by buying your own place versus spending on rent, that might be a good thing. And then. Buy back into stocks, uh, you know, buy back into stocks with your earnings afterwards. 
I think that's the that's the key to not uh, buying a house that's too expensive for you. Trying to live below your means for as long as you can, so that you can have extra savings, like you're still living somewhere and like saving up money through that house, um, but using that extra money to invest in higher ROI things. Anyway, um, went on went down a, a rabbit hole for that one. Hey, it's Kaya. I just had a quick question. I think I asked you this before, but I couldn't find it in earlier uh, earlier lives. I was asking about progeny, ticker PGNY. Is it a good small speculation hold? And also maybe do a video on how to invest in small caps and what to look for and how to look at these speculation holds. Thank you. Yeah, so progeny is really hard, right? They're, uh, they're doubling every year and they're trading at like 30 times forward uh, gross profit. I don't know. Like, actually, I'm going to I'm going to add this because I know this was something that uh, ARK Invest was was toying with. And so I'm going to add this to possible research PGNY. Um, and I know, like, I guess fertility type stuff is is, you know, definitely going to grow in the future. I know that um, like I believe in that trend. And, you know, um, yeah, I would just say, let, let me look into that. I don't know yet. It might be a while until I get and get there. So let's go to the next question. All right, let's pop over to the meeting polls. Okay, so Unity South Software, Unity, ticker U. Uh, very hot IPO this year. Um, I'll just, I'll look, like, I don't know much about the business model. I know they're, like, gaming, aren't, aren't they? So they're, like, a platform for creating and operating interactive, three to, like, 3D games. Um, but I don't really, so they're, like, a cons, they're more consumer-oriented Software, they're more consumer oriented, like, uh, I'm trying to think. Unreal Engine, is that right? I mean, maybe guys in the chat, those of you that know, play Unity games, let me know, um, let me know, like, what kind of games you're really excited that are, that's being built on the Unity platform versus the Unreal Engine versus all these other types of, like, video game engines. Um, like, I, I look at their games. And let me flip over to my desktop. I look at their games and, you know, I don't see any smash hits yet. I think they're used in some smash hit, uh, like, mobile games. Console and PC games, though. Okay. Okay, I guess Blizzard uses them. That's interesting. Um, but nothing that I've heard of really. Uh, Rick and Morty, that's cool. Um, yeah, nothing I've really seen as a smash hit like a cod but so I'm, I'm not natively familiar is this world of warcraft i don't know age of magic so it doesn't seem right like it, it seems to be like more for uh smaller game developers and let's look at their valuation they've had a massive tear since ipo okay so they're trading <laughs> Okay, so they're growing at 30 to 40% a year and trading at 52 times forward gross profit. This is a pass. This is a pass. Tarkov, okay. Someone plays Tarkov. Okay, Zia, that's cool. Thanks. Um, okay, they use their engine to not just do games. T TSB Chase is saying this. Um, but also movies, TVs, and shows like Mandalorian uses it well. Okay, that's really interesting, actually. Um Check CD project they drop hard after Cyberpunk. 
Oh, is that the cyber cyberpunk? Um, or Tarkov is pretty popular. Okay. Definitely more of an indie dev platform. Okay. That's what, that was my, that was my, uh, hunches because just kind of looking at their games, uh, is that they're more of an indie develop developer platform and, um, yeah, at 30 to 40% growth and 52 times forward gross profit for a consumer facing indie dev thing. Why would I buy unity when I could buy, uh, like crowd CrowdStrike? when I could buy CrowdStrike at 44 times forward gross profit for a uh, company growing 80%, twice the growth, much better business to business, uh, like SaaS model, like software as a service. I mean, I know that's probably SaaS, but with no consumer facing piece of the business for less of the valuation. Yeah, Unity's a pass. That thing's gonna be like a lot of people ask me about that, so I I, I would imagine that it's it's circulating in FinTwit and um, and uh, TikTok finance, right? But um, just too expensive for me, too expensive for me. Cool. So that's Unity. Let's go to the next one. We answered why did I buy T Adobe? Super sticky. Spent an, my entire life learning the platform. I'm not going to spend another 30 years learning a new one. I agree. I agree. I agree that Adobe is an amazing company. Uh, I mean, they've got great moats. Like everyone uses PDFs and they're stuck with PDF, even though PDF is like not a great. Um, oh, this is interesting. So when we looked at this stock before this year, I mean, it was like months ago. Give me a sec. Adobe, ticker A-D-B-E. You all know it, right? Adobe Illustrator, Photoshop, um, InDesign, Adobe PDF. Excuse me. Um, okay, so maybe when we looked at it, it was like late August and they were peaking at like 520 something per share. But I think it looks like earnings were adjusted up and they're trading at 28 times... Uh, They're trading at about 30 times forward EBITDA, which is really interesting to me, right? Because what is another, what is another kind of business commerce uh, type of company where nobody, like they're so, so sticky? Microsoft, right? Microsoft Office, Microsoft Cloud. Um, that's trading at 19 times forward EBITDA, 20 times forward EBITDA, so two-thirds the price. But they have about two-thirds the growth, Not, but I would say Microsoft's cheaper on a relative basis for sure. Adobe is growing at, like, is expected to grow in that kind of mid-teens growth rate going forward. Um, I'm trying to think. It's not crazy, right? So if you look at them on a gross profit level, they're trading at 15 times forward gross profit. Uh, so it's not crazy for sure. Um, I think that there are faster growing companies that are trading for 15 times forward gross profit, some of which are on the Roke big board, and a lot of you know that. And there are more stable also strongly growing companies that are trading at a cheaper multiple. Does that make sense? 
So let's say you're like, okay, fine. I'm going to buy Atlassian. So ticker team, right? Albeit, I will say, right? Like I think Adobe is a stickier business than Atlassian. I guess I can't say that because they're really trading on kind of a Ford gross profit multiple basis versus an EBITDA basis. Yeah, I mean, I think Adobe's good. It just doesn't scream out to me as something that's like massively undervalued. I, I mean, th there's a case to be made that we should add Adobe as a compounder. Uh, the question is, last I really looked at that company, it was like years and years ago, they were struggling to really find their growth avenues. Uh, you know, they, they were traditionally kind of the little brother of all these other bigger companies. They had these really sticky products and uh, like sticky formats that they had. Uh, but we'll see, like it looks like they've really kind of come into themselves again and turned the company around, not unlike Microsoft. So yeah, definitely worth a look. I'm gonna add that, hold on. Uh, yeah, DB, ADB. Okay, so Pete is asking uh, Ford gross profit versus Ford EBITDA. So I kind of, I'm gonna explain that whenever I can actually get to the video that does the valuation metrics. But generally EBITDA, I mean, again, nothing beats a discounted cash flow model uh, and a full like just understanding the business. But on these quick takes, uh, Gross profit is when the company is spending all its cash to try to grow as fast as it can, as fast as it can, which means EBITDA is zero or negative, right? So profits are zero or negative. So you try to have to go, you have to go to the gross profit. Uh, so gr like high growth companies. EBITDA is for quickly valuing a company that uh, is growing, yeah, probably growing, but also has a profit and can't redistribute all that profit to reinvesting into more growth. So bigger companies tend to do that. Like they do have, they will grow and they have growth opportunities, but they, they just make so much cash. They can't really put that to use, which is, it's amazing that Amazon can put it to use. Right. Uh, so that, that's the main difference, right? It's like hyper growth companies. You look at like, I, I personally look, I don't see anybody else in the market using the metric. I personally look at Ford EV to gross profit. Um, but if it's like a more stable company that, that makes profits and it's profit-minded, you go to EVD EBITDA and free cash flow yield. Cool. Awesome. Let's go to more voicemails. Um, all right, I'm going to skip this one because you had, had some other ones. Hey, Justin. Uh, my question is uh, about Fubo TV. Uh, what do you think about the business and the platform. Uh, I know they have uh, recently gone up a lot in share price, and uh, there's a lot of hype behind it, as they are looking to be a streaming service uh, focused on sports, but also incorporate uh, betting and live gambling within the... Um, all right, you all can't hear so, um, I, I mean, it's kind of hard to hear you, but um, seems like you're asking about uh, Fubo. I've seen that in kind of, uh, let me show you the chart, Fubo. I've seen that in FinTwit, um, skyrocketed, right? Fubo, Fubo, Fubo. <sighs> I would say this thing looks like a TikTok stock, sports first live TV streaming platform, 
um, very hyped up on financials. So they're pre-revenue too. Interesting, they're pre-revenue. They didn't make a, they basically didn't make a single dollar in 2019. So this is all speculation. This is all speculation. This is a gamble, right? Complete gamble. I don't like it. But if you're a day trader, I guess you like the volatility. But I don't like it, right? Because you're basically betting on the greater fool theory with this one. It's like the Nikola one, right? Like Nikola didn't make a single dollar, but people, a lot of people made a lot of money on it, right? They, like when I came out with my first YouTube video about it, like my, some of my earlier YouTube videos about it valuing, I was like, this thing's wildly overpriced at, was it 30 bucks a share? It went up to like 90. Those people made a lot of money. Um, and then, but I, I guarantee you less people sold at the top than people claim. What probably all happened was a bunch of people bought on the way up because it's the herd mentality. I think there are a lot of people are sheep and then they buy, at the t- they keep buying and then it crashes and they're just kind of left, hold, like left, uh, holding the bag. Not to say that Fubo is going to do the same thing. I can't predict cause I don't know anything about the business, but you know, it just seems like one of those stocks. Um, and if I can't tell you, no matter how much research I do, you know, what the company, like what the stock is going to do, especially when it's trading for a $3 billion valuation for zero revenue. And again, maybe people have insight about its future revenues. Um, yeah, anyway, sorry. Fubo, uh, F-U-B-O. Then I'm not going to invest in that, right? We're investors here. And again, we've, we've bought and sold within three months for sure. But the thesis was that like, those are companies we're willing to hold on if it doesn't skyrocket, right? One of our top value picks hasn't run up for a while and we hold it because we know we're not going to lose that much money on it because we believe in the valuation and how stable that business is. Uh, Fubo is one that could be a $3 billion stock, could be a $1 billion stock, could be a $10 billion stock. I just don't know. And I don't think there's a lot of people that can know. And it's in, it's in, um, wait, hold on. DAZONE. Okay. Yeah. I mean, DAZONE is out like trying to compete against this, like this, like online, uh, streaming, like sports service. But then like you have so many of those and they're all going to be relatively, um, relatively commoditized. So I just, I don't know. Cool. Awesome. So let's get to go to the next one. Hey, Justin, it's Kirk from Missouri. I just want to appreciate telling you that I appreciate all the content that you've been giving out. And I just have a few questions. I've been following you since earlier this year. And um, recently, I just taken over management of my own um, retirement money that I had with a investment advisor um, for many years. I'm paying them an advisor fee on that. And um, as I took that over, um, over in October, I've done a great job on, you know, aligning my assets to be closer to what you've been um, putting on the Roic Big Board, which has been great for those assets. But I have a lot of assets in there that, you know, I really don't like. And a lot of them are in the energy sector. You know, we have like BP, RDSP, PSX, PTEN, MDTR, CBX, and many more that are down 39, 40, you know, 20% on value right now. 
is that something I should probably sell off at this point and just take the loss and get it into a better asset? Or is this something where maybe I should keep and hold it until it comes back up a little longer? Or, you know, should I go and add a little bit more, um, you know, buy it, you know, at this lower cost right now, hoping that it comes back? Um, appreciate the um, you taking this question and hopefully you can get an answer. Thanks. Bye. Hey, Kurt, thanks for uh, calling in. Thank you so much for the support. Appreciate it. And thank you for being a Rogue member. Seriously, best the, the, the best thing you can do to, like, I guess, keep our community growing and stable and, and support the content is to be a Rogue member um, and tell your friends about it, too. Uh, I will say the, the answer to that depends on it sounds like you've taken over a family retirement money. Oh, your own retirement money. OK, so it's your own retirement money and what your how long your view set is. Right. I don't think it's unwise to keep them depending on how big of a allocation to those stocks you have. Um, basically, so if you're too much levered to the energy sector, right, obviously it's taken a huge hit because people aren't driving anymore and oil is there's been a glut of oil supply. And then earlier this year, there was like an oil war again, like oil like battle of oil supply between Russia and Saudi Arabia uh, and OPEC doesn't have the teeth it used to. Uh, you have EVs going to eat oil's lunch at some point or like natural, I know we call it oil, but it's, I know those of you in Europe call it um, petrol, which is probably more accurate. Uh, that being said, I know there are a lot of analysts calling for a sector rotation on recovery um, for, uh, very like cyclical stocks to come back and that's that's oil stocks that's like bp and exxon that kind of that kind of thing um and also financials when interest when the economy comes back interest rates can rise again which helps banks and, and obviously consumer spending goes up i like to be levered to fintech over regular financials uh Oil is a weird one. I hold a little DBO just for fun, which is a, an oil fund. I did an analysis on TikTok about it, like, or like I'm talking about like April. That's a toughie. So I would say I wouldn't want to be more than 20% weighted to that. So if it's like half your portfolio, like I personally think like the big board is constructed how I am, right? I don't own, I don't think I own any stock that I don't have on the Roke big board. So Take that how you will. I'm 30 years old, um, and my time horizon is at least two decades. And you know, if it's your own retirement money and your time horizon is also two decades, oil could be a good play. I just have no, I don't have the confidence to be in that investment, just because I can say the economy is going to come back and I want to be in cyclicals. Like I don't like that as a like I'm not a macro top down person by nature. Uh, I like taking sure a more Warren Buffett style. Like if, if, if pitch comes my way and I feel really good about the product, right? Silicon Valley, it's like the product uh, and, and the trends Then I want to invest behind that. But, but Exxon BP, all those, all those companies are good for like private family offices because they said, Oh, well, everyone's going to always drive and all this other stuff. Um, yeah, I, I don't particularly love it. Like on a personal level, I would probably not own any, but for you and, and, you know, I think you need to avoid the sunk cost theory. Um, 
here, here's a good compromise. If you feel that you are going to be super upset if you sell it all and BP recovers like 30% and you'll be like, why did I do that? Why did I do that? Then yeah, keep some, keep some skin on the table, five to 10% of your portfolio. That's, that's what I would probably do. Uh, if you're like, nah, there's just too many good options out there, which I think there's a lot of great stocks out there. Like I told you, this is going to be a stock pickers market. Finally, finally, I, I was out of the market in 2018. Um, then, then go find those other opportunities. And that's why I'm here. I help find you the opportunities and I tell you when they're good and bad. So yeah, I mean, I, I personally would rather be in some of the newer ones we've added. Um, if you want a stay more stable, but also like potentially upside types of things. But uh, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't have like a, a, a special view into the oil markets or the petrol markets. So um, that's what I would do. Last voicemail. All right. Well, that one was a, it was a dud. Didn't come out. So if you called, I'm sorry. Uh, area code 613. Cool. Uh, what's up guys? Happy Thursday. Uh, have you all gotten a Christmas tree? I got a Christmas tree. I'm, I'm a real Christmas tree kind of person. Uh, it's kind of annoying sometimes and it's kind of expensive, but I, I like the smell of uh, pine in my house, I guess. Um, Uh, Prerit, you have your finance finals tomorrow. I think you should, uh, I think you should probably study. Uh, cool. Let's go back to the, uh, little like subject voting board. This thing's pretty cool. So we did Adobe. We answered quite a bit of these. So how do I personally store and protect my crypto assets? I already answered this at the beginning of this, but guys, right. Don't leave me just because I like Bitcoin, right? I like ROI across a lot of different asset classes. I, I'm, I am asset class agnostic and I am not intellectually dogmatic. I find good risk reward profiles on the long term, um, no matter where they are. So I personally really liked Bitcoin at 10K. And that's why I own a lot of Bitcoin. But it doesn't mean that that's for you because if you're not ever going to be intellectually bought in to an investment, then you should not buy in. And you shouldn't kick yourself for for missing out on, on like uh, for missing out on like gains that you might have otherwise had. Right. The only thing you can do is listen to the content that I create because that's what I'm really doing that for. And again, I, I told you at the beginning of the show, like I only do this because I think I, like people seem to like benefit from me showing what I'm doing and teaching people how I do it. Um, I'm not going to like when it comes to like, let's say I pitched you Peloton at 55 and you're like, no, that's just basically like a, an exercise bike with an iPad on it, which is actually what I thought going into the analysis. I was like the biggest Peloton hitter. If you don't believe in it and it crashes, you will sell out and lose your money. If you don't believe in Bitcoin and you buy at 25,000, let's see what it is now. Flipping over. If you bought today, if you bought, let's say you bought, you know, I bought some, let's say you bought here, right? Earlier in the year at 12,000 in July. 
I, we were talking about this, my content, you can go look back at some of the live shows that we've been doing since I started this YouTube channel, right? Um, I, I was saying buy Bitcoin, buy Bitcoin. I like Bitcoin, I like Bitcoin, I like Bitcoin, I like Bitcoin. Whenever people ask, I like Bitcoin. You would have sold and been re kicking yourself and being like, oh, I'm so stupid. If you bought it 12,000 and it crashed down to like 5,000, right? You'd be like, I lost half my money. I hate you, Justin, I hate you, right? So I don't want you buying a, an investment that you don't you don't fully appreciate, you don't fully believe in, and you don't fully like buy into, and don't have the stomach for a long term investor. Um, and so, yeah, that I mean that that's 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 the this the fact of it. So whether it's Bitcoin or something else, you know, you could just I make the content, you watch the content, you're either convinced to do more work yourself or you're convinced yourself. And you follow along or you don't because like, as you see from the row of big board, I, I have some Bitcoin. I have a lot of stocks. Like there's, there's a lot of different types of ROIs available right now out there. Um, you know, back in 2017, I said it was re Nashville real estate, right? I would have been like, Hey guys, like go buy some Nashville real estate. Like, uh, we're agnostic and intellectually curious and, and, and focused and disciplined, but flexible in our thinking, especially in such an innovative world. Okay. Someone called out a row question and I got to, I got to, I got to serve the Royal community. Sad is asking or sad is asking, can you check the question on semiconductors on feed on and on future research? Hold on. I don't have spoiler alert. I don't have any recent like, okay. TSM, uh, Taiwan Semiconductor Manufacturing, they're the biggest like manufacturer of, or one of the biggest manufacturer of semiconductors. So like, for example, um, TSM. I actually invested in them at a hedge fund I worked at um, years ago. They're trading for 13 times forward EBITDA. They're expected to grow quite a bit because it seems like they have. Uh, I, I knew they were talking about. I know they were talking about like a new, a new uh, smaller like, I forget what it's called, like, um, chipset size or something. I forget. I'm blanking. Um, and they're gonna grow at kind of like that. After this year is a crazy growth year, uh, like 10% to 15% clip going forward, 50% uh, gross margins, but. Yeah, 60, 70% EBITDA margins, which is kind of crazy for a manufacturer. Um, let me see if I have any research reports on this for you. TSM, thicker TSM. And thank you all for, for joining the live streams. I know it's kind of like, I think actually uh, live streams m might be uh, detrimental to the channel just because like people don't generally click on hour and a half long videos. So I appreciate you all tuning in live. Thank you so much. And you know, it's kind of a chicken or the egg. I know like we can grow the YouTube channel faster if I make more like 10 to 15 minute long videos, but those take so much time and I have a full-time job. So until we can grow Roic like two to three times, um, I think my content can like double if I, you know, if I ever can do this full-time, but um, neither here nor there. Let's see. Okay. I don't have a dedicated research report for that. Um, trying to think price targets, average median target is 85 bucks by analysts, relatively commodity business. I don't love it. 
Like it's not, I, I remember buying into these things at like five to seven, um, or sorry, like six to eight times forward EBITDA. So I don't really like it. I think it gets a lot of hype because people think like, oh, like tech is like growing and people are going to, um, people are going to like buy more chips. But this is like the one of the more, other than the actual silicon companies, one of the more uh, commoditized parts of the business. And I don't love it. I don't know. I think there are just better opportunities out there for sure. Cool. Uh, thanks, Holly. Always great to see you. Uh, okay, cool. Uh, yeah, thanks, Saad. I'll, um, okay, so Saad or Sad, you're, uh, you're saying that they're partnering with Tesla, full self-driving. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's a, there's a, there's a bull case there. So it seems like ARK Invest is, is buying in. You know, I, I definitely respect them, but I, di I differ from them in a lot of some of the positions. Let, let me, let me take a look. Um, let's see. Oh, wait, at a couple cents.com, we keep track of ARK's holdings, so I can just go to my own website. <laughs> I update these uh, a couple times a week. So let's see if they hold what they hold. TSM. They it's a 1.9% position for them. Okay. So I have to go read their bull case. Not really sure. Uh, I do like their bull case for pager duty ticker B PD. If that means anything for you to you. Uh, I like Twilio. They own 2.2% of, of their portfolio in Twilio, but I think it's expensive. You know, we, we both agree on, Spotify and Zillow. I think Teladoc is very expensive. We'll see. We both agree on Square. Um, and so they're very, very bullish on like uh, genomics and that kind of stuff. And I'm not there intellectually yet, right? That's that's one of what I was saying. It's like if I'm following ARC, I don't you know, necessarily agree with uh, or like I think I'm, I don't have the conviction level that they do because they've done so much research on it to, to buy those yet. Um, and they, obviously they're famous for having Tesla be their, uh, their biggest position. So yeah. And for those of you asking about IPOB open door, I've already, I think we already talked about this one, but we, uh, IPOB, I did a YouTube video on it. I think I did multiple YouTube videos on it. I think the retail investment community got a hold of this one and is pumping up the price because like, here's a good example. IPOB, the deal on IPOB and Opendoor has not changed since the mid 20, like since October or September or whenever I did my YouTube videos on it. Um, yet the stock is still rallying like crazy. And I think it's because IPOB I've noticed has gotten um, a lot of hype in me social media. And so I don't love when that happens, I don't like chasing social media trends. Um, I imagine this thing will crash at some point in the future when they don't post insane earnings, if it stays in at 30 bucks a share. Um, so I would rather buy in later. Uh, I mean, let me search my website. Hold on. I, I definitely wrote about IPOB open door. Hold on. Give me a second. Okay. Open door. 
Okay. So, oh, also I, I have some doubts about the actual like eye buying, full eye buying suite business model. Like you, it's basically, you have to buy full houses only to make like a two to 3% margin. And so it, it requires a lot of leverage. And so the return on unlevered return on assets is super low. And I don't really like that. Like, I, I think they're going to just, they're going to disrupt and it's going to be a business, but that's something that's like not super scalable because you have to buy so much property to do that. Um, all those asking about Coinbase IPO, like it's great. I will look into their IPO when I see, um, when I see, I think they confidentially filed, but, and we'll definitely do, uh, we'll definitely do a lot of content around, um, Coinbase's IPO. So, but I would just say, uh, I would just say probably like, I'm not going to, I'm going to withhold judgment until I can see their business model. Um, if, if you guys are really interested in Open Door again, let me let me go to IPOB filings. Oh yeah, I was midstream when I was doing this. Okay, so you look at their. All right, let me show you my screen. Yeah, I mean, this is all the same material we did in my, uh, I did a YouTube video on it. So if you don't know what they do, go search my YouTube channel for IPOB or Open Door. And uh, yeah. Okay. So in the next three years, they're estimating an almost 900 million in adjusted gross profit. But we know that this business model is weird, right? So we really want to, we want to, like, in my opinion, true profit is actually uh, 458 because they need to lever up, like their whole fundamental business model relies on them having cheap debt to buy the actual full properties, right? So to me, it's not actually a, a gross, you don't use a true gross profit multiple, you use a contribution margin after interest multiple, right? So if you just kind of look at their, Okay, give me a sec. Where's their financial overview? I want to see the pro forma sources and uses. Sorry, I know I'm probably making a lot of you dizzy by moving around on this. These are pictures, so I can't even search them. Okay, so they have 900. I'm going to keep this, this, this up. Hold on. I'm going to flip back so that digging deep on IPOB. Maybe I did an Excel spreadsheet, IPOB, open door, open door. I think I have a folder. Maybe I, oh, this is great. Yeah. This is a blast from the past. Okay. So this is, let me show my desktop. Looks like they are looking for a uh, 630 million shares outstanding. So 630.7 times, they're trading at like 29 bucks a share. The yeah, 29.44. That's an 18 and a half billion dollar uh, market cap. 
plus or minus, I guess, uh, 1.5 billion on the balance sheet. That's a $17 billion valuation. And over 900 million Yeah, I mean, that's a stretch, right? They're trading at 19 times adjusted gross profit, but what but one would argue that their contrib- their contribution profit is actually more accurate because let me show you the business model. So Right, so they have an adjusted gross margin of 77.3%, but then they, it costs them money to sell it, it costs them money to hold it, and that's their contribution margin, and then they need to, they inherently need to lever up, and so I would, I would argue that their contribution margin is the real, is the real uh, metric here. So if that's the case, right, and they're trading at a $17 billion valuation on next year's estimated gross uh, contribution profit, divided by 290, that's 56 times forward contribution profit, right? Um, and, you know, whatever, 30, 30 times 2023. Now, when you compare that against like Redfin, here, I can't show this. Redfin. RDFN, ticker RDFN. Uh, hold on. Do, do, do. Yeah, they're trading at 25 times, no, they're trading at, yeah, 25 times forward gross profit. And most of their revenue, I believe, comes from um, actual like revenue. I don't think they're fully an iBuyer company. Let me just double check that. So I think like, Owning the basket of Redfin, Zillow, and IPOB, or, or um, yeah, so most of Redfin's profits actually come from brokerage and partners, similarly to Zillow. So it's real revenue. It's more like SaaS consumer revenue. Um, so I would rather own Redfin. But we already, like, we've already done really well with Zillow, right? So, and it's much more diversified, much safer. It's a much fatter pitch. So again, you can be a chaser if you want, but here in, at Roic, we're going to be a little bit more conservative. So cool. Awesome. Well, that takes us to 830, guys and, and girls. Thank you so much for being here. I appreciate all of you. Um, and again, like, please uh, spread the word about Roic. It really helps support the content. And if not, just follow the channel. appreciate you just being here, right? So uh, I will see you on Tuesday. Uh, December 22nd, time TBD, and I'm hoping to come up with a new type of giveaway um, for Christmas and New Year's. So thank you so much. I appreciate all of you for being here. Um, and hopefully, you know, sorry, I can't get to everybody's question all the time. But again, voicemails get uh, prioritized in these. Uh, and, and then obviously the most upvoted ones here in the 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 meeting space that link in the, the in below that I always provide. Sorry, I can't speak today. And uh, again, the the story of the day is Bitcoin is ripping. It's at twenty three thousand one hundred, um, and 
I have my featured video. If you're, if you're asking about whether I think it's too late to buy, my featured video in, on my YouTube channel is about Bitcoin. And I, it, it's, it's intellectually thinking about on a fundamental level, could Bitcoin reach half a million? And if you believe in it, then, and you buy at 23 and it crashes to 10, you shouldn't care, right? You shouldn't care. So anyway, thanks so much. Uh, happy holidays and uh, I'll see you next week. See you Tuesday. Bye. Happy investing.